isn't it great to have uh, two beautiful daughters who are so talented and son-in-laws who are talented and grandchildren that are exceptional. Well, good afternoon and welcome to worship today. I'm so glad that you came. That, that's investing. What you did today was invest in the coming of the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to talk about today. I'm honored that Pastor Scott asked me to, to fill in today. Normally, I'm a retired pastor from up in Whitefish. Today, I'm changing my hat from preacher to investment counselor. All right? Investment counselor for the long term. And my goal is help to help you make the best possible investments with the time and the talent and the treasure that God has given you. Are you with me or are you asleep already? All right? Okay. God has given us all gifts to manage and invest for Him. So your life, your time, your treasure, your talent are not your own. They came to you as a gift. Everything you have, everything you are, comes to you morning by morning as a gift from God. Are you with me so far? All right. By the way, God is wiser and more generous in how he doles these things out than you can possibly imagine. The question is never, why do I have more or less than somebody else? That's not the question. That's a very immature question. Our children ask those kinds of questions. That's God's prerogative. The question is, am I being faithful with what the Lord has given me? You know, Whitney Houston, anybody here remember Whitney Houston? Incredible vocalist. She was asked at the height of her career about her talent. And she said, it's no credit to me. I didn't do anything to deserve it. God gave it to me as a gift. And my job is to use it for his glory. And she was exactly right. Our job is to use what the Lord has given to us to bring glory to him and to trust him with his objectives for the sake of the universe. So let's open our Bibles to one of Jesus' most famous parables, also one of the parables that has been terribly abused. It goes like this, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. If you have uh, a Bible app on your telephone, on your phone, uh, go ahead and open it up. Uh, or if you brought your Bible, the parable of the talents. It's a story about investing. And it's incredibly relevant for us in the world in which we live today. This parable is in a series of parables about getting ready or being ready for Jesus' return. He's coming back, you know. If Jesus returned today or tomorrow, would you be ready? Well, how would your portfolio be? Are you ready for his return? It all depends on how you've been investing. The time, the talent, the treasure that the Lord has given to you. Jesus' parable begins like this. It, meaning Jesus' return, 
is going to be like a man going on a journey. And he called his servants together and he entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one one talent, <coughs> each according to his ability. And then he left town. He went off on his journey. Note that word entrusted. Entrusted. The world and everything in it belongs to the Creator. Nothing is really mine. It's all thine. Nothing is really mine. It's all thine. Would you say that with me? Nothing is really mine. It's all thine. And God shares these gifts with us to use in the building of his kingdom. Remember, unlike us, God is never selfish or greedy. We have to start our study of this parable with that, with that foundation. God is unlike us. He's never selfish or greedy. How do we know that? Because he gave the life of his one and only son to pay the debt for our sin and restore our relationship with him. His mercies come to us morning by morning, whether we're faithful or not. The snow and the rain come down from heaven, no matter how badly we behave. God is generous. He's always the ultimate giver. God's purpose, his delight, is to have his children, that's us, become partners with him in the restoration of creation. That's what God is about. Bringing his creation back to himself. Restoring what has been damaged by sin. And he wants us to become partners with him in that work. Are you with me or am I by myself here? It's hard to tell with those masks on. <laughs> that means working for justice and lifting up the poor and feeding the hungry and finding the lost and healing the sick and loving the abandoned and sharing the good news of Jesus with the hopeless. Using the gifts that he has given us to bring glory to him. Paul, writing to the Christians of his day, said, You are not your own. You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God with all you are and all that you have. Not only did he create you, he redeemed you. You're twice his. You will never be truly happy and content and satisfied until you use the talent and treasure God has given you to serve him. I think it's on the screen. Let's read that together. You will never be truly happy, content, and satisfied until you use the talent and treasure God has given you to serve him. That's what you were created to do. Now, in today's parable, a talent meant money. Money, lots of money. Some scholars believe one talent equaled a lifetime of wages for a laborer. Now, some of you are a lot much better with figures than I am, but let's figure $25,000 a year for 40 years. That's a million bucks. Million bucks, okay? Each of the three servants, was, servants were given a different amount of money to manage according to their skill and ability. Uh, the Lord has given each of us different amounts of time, talent, and treasure to manage based on the skills and abilities 
that he's given us. He'll never hold us accountable for what we don't have the skills to do. But he will hold us accountable for what we do have the skills to do. The greater the gift, the greater the responsibility. Now, some people were gifted by God at making money. I had a, a roommate at Bible school who was a farmer, North Dakota farmer. He farmed, inherited a farm in the Red River Valley. And he couldn't play guitar, and he couldn't sing worth a lick, and he couldn't teach, he couldn't speak. And he came to me one day, and he said, John, I finally figured it out. I know what my spiritual gift is. It's making money. I am really good at making money. And he went in, he paid off my debt at school. He, he supports, I don't know how many missionaries. He's really good. That's his spiritual gift. Now, you may not have that gift. I don't have that gift. I'm dependent on others who have that gift. But each one was given a gift to use. Use whatever gift God has given you to serve the one who gave it to you. If it's teaching or administrating or building or caring or healing, use your gift for the glory of God. Well, one servant was given $5 million to manage for his master. I can't imagine that. Some of you can because you do that. Another three million and a third one million. A lot of responsibility. A lot of responsibility. It indicates a lot of trust by this master. A lot of trust. A lot of love. Now there's a reason the master is doing this. He's training his servants to be partners with him in his eternal kingdom. Did you hear that? He's going to move them from being servants to being partners well, after some time, the master returned to see how his managers in training were doing for the task that he's given them. The servant who was given the five million to manage was overjoyed to report that he had doubled his master's money. And the servant who was given the three million reported the same. Well done, good job, the master said. You've been faithful over a little. Can you imagine five million dollars being considered a little? <laughs> You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to give you much, much more. And then he says, enter into your master's joy. What's the master's joy? It's using what he has for the sake of others. Being a generous giver, a steward. And the master promoted the two faithful servants and made them partners with him in his heavenly kingdom. Do you know we're going to be partners with God when we get into heaven? We're not going to be just sitting around, you know, twiddling our thumbs. We're going to be busy using our gifts in ways we've never imagined before. How wonderful that's going to be. In John 15, Jesus says this to the disciples. I no longer call you servants, but friends. I call you friends. Intimate partners in my Father's work. But the parable has a sad ending. The servant who was given the one million to manage bailed. He bailed. Why? I don't know. Why do we bail on the call that God has given to us? Was it, was it because he was too lazy? Maybe. Or too timid or too rebellious? I don't know. Was he worried about what others might say about him if they found out that he was using all the gifts that he had to serve the kingdom of God? You know, people will give you a hard time about that if they hear about that. I don't know. Or was he just too selfish 
to care about anybody but himself. I mean, totally narcissistic. Whatever the reason, he ducked the responsibility his master gave him, and instead of investing his talent, he buried his treasure with the worms in the backyard. You know, I don't think the master was upset about the money. I mean, after all, the wicked servant gave it all back to him. I think the master was upset because his servant betrayed his trust and he ignored his master's objectives. The faith, unfaithful servant wasted, wasted the time, the talent, the treasure his master had given him in serving only himself. That's what the word prodigal means, by the way. The word prodigal means wasteful. We waste our time, our talent, our treasure on stuff that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God who gave us those gifts. No wonder the master called him unfaithful, lazy. The master had trusted him, been exorbitantly generous to him, invited him to be a partner in the coming of his kingdom, the eternal kingdom, but the servant ignored his master's command, buried his master's treasure in the dirt, and in treating his master's gift as worthless, he was in treating his master as worthless. I don't care about you. The unfaithful servant watched the, two, the first two servants receive surprise promotions and even greater responsibility. Man, they were dancing around and high-fiving each other, and it was great celebration. What a joy heaven is going to be for those that are good stewards. But when the unfaithful servant reported in, instead of confessing his sin, which he could have done, and asking his master to forgive him, I blew it. I blew it so badly. Will you forgive me? But that's not what he did. The first thing he did was blame his master. Listen to his words. Master, I know you're a hard man. You gather where you haven't sown. You gather where you haven't scattered seed. And I was afraid, so I went out and hid your money. Here's what belongs to you. There are two things here. The first one is this. A day of accounting is coming when we are going to hand it back to the Lord. A judgment day is coming when we, when we will be asked to respond to how we have, what we've done with the gifts the Lord has given to us. It's his stuff. It's not ours. But there's a second thing here. None of the unfaithful servant's accusations were true. His master had always been just and generous and fair. But this, this servant accuses his master of being a bully and a thief and a scoundrel. These are all lies that come from the devil. That's what the devil does. Points his finger and accuses us and that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. God is the problem. You know, hell will be filled with people still trying to convince themselves of how unfair God has been to them. But nobody's going to listen because it simply isn't true. And now for this servant, judgment day has arrived and the truth comes out. The wicked servant had made his choice. He'd rather live in the empty, barren kingdom of his own making 
then he would serve the master in a kingdom of grace and abundance and joy. What a sad, sad, pitiful choice. But God will let us have it our way. The master lets the servant have it his own way. He said, you didn't have any use for my talent? Take it away from him and give it to the one with the ten. And throw him outside in the darkness, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, eternal regret at his own arrogance, his own selfishness, his own foolishness. How sad. This is a terrifying parable because it begs the question, how have I been using the gifts, the time, the treasure, the talent God has given me? Am I using these gifts to simply serve myself and build my kingdom? Or am I investing these in serving the Lord and the coming of his kingdom? In the same way that Jesus used his gifts on earth. Can you imagine what Jesus would have done if he had been selfish with all the power that he had? But he never once used his power for the sake of anything other than to bring glory to his Father. Sub F have tried to say that excuse the unfaithful servant by saying, well, c c give him a break. He was just, he was afraid. He was just trying to play it safe. But the Lord didn't call us to play it safe. He called us to take a great risk, just as Jesus did when he came even facing the cross. He's called us to invest even to the point of giving our lives for the sake of the coming of the kingdom. In fact, the only way to keep the treasure that the Lord has given to us is to use it, to use it up, give it up, risk it all for the advancement of his kingdom. After all, it's his. It's his, not ours. Never has been ours. The Bible tells us that tough times are coming, and we certainly can see it all around us, can't we? Jesus is calling every Christian, every believer, to fearlessly invest every gift the Lord has given to us for the coming of his kingdom, because it matters. It matters. Time is short, and there's still much to be done. I guarantee you, there is no greater joy than being used by God in the coming of his kingdom. Will you say that with me? There's no greater joy than being used by God in the coming of his kingdom. What's your gift? You probably have many. Will you use it to serve the Lord? Will you be ready to joyfully report how you've used the gifts God has given you when he returns? When the Lord got a hold of my life. I saw a guitar I wanted. And I said, Lord, if you help me buy that guitar... I had several guitars, but if you, if, if you help me buy that guitar, I'll play that guitar just for you. I didn't understand all my guitars belonged to him. And all the music that I made was to be for him. Thank God he changed that. And he can change that for you too. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, the coming of your kingdom and your will is the only hope we have. We've all tried it our way, and we've all come up empty. We pray that you would forgive your people 
Forgive our nation for the ways that, that we have misused the time and the treasure and the talent you've given us to serve ourselves. Or we've ignored it and buried it in the yard. The world won't be made right until our hearts are made right with you. And the injustices that are being screamed about in our culture won't be healed until the hearts of your people are changed and transformed. And we can't do that for ourselves. Only you can do that. So we humbly ask again today, humble our hearts to seek you above all else and the coming of your kingdom above all else. Open our eyes to the ways that we may have turned your gifts into idols and misused them. And help us again to put them in your hands and use them for the sake of your kingdom. You are a good and gracious and generous God. Your intention is that the whole world experience the joy of your salvation and the wonder of your kingdom. And we want to be part of that. We want your kingdom to come in our hearts. We want your will to be done through us. And all God's children said, Amen.